Okay, so um, good morning, everybody. Um, I'm, I'm glad Cara clarified that I'm speaking about a book because I was there, suddenly got hyper nervous thinking, hang on, I'm not talking about how God's been guiding me. This wasn't part of the deal. What have they done? But I guess God has guided me because through COVID, I've been able to join the small group via Zoom. I've been able to read lots of fabulous books um, and the Lord has really been guiding me. And I guess that's why I'm actually talking this morning, um, feeling somewhat nervous in my tum-tum. But this is the book, um, Chasing the Dragon by Jackie Pullinger. And I expect a lot of people have probably read this book. Um, if you want to read it, I think there's several copies floating around within the congregation of the church. Um, and I was dipping into the book last night and flicking through. And really, the whole book is full of how um, Jackie was guided by the Lord. Um, it's a little brief thing. She went, she went to church as a child. And in Sunday school, they had um, a missionary came in and spoke to them. And the missionary said, you know, like, who'd want to be a missionary? And Jackie remembers as a child thinking, well, who wouldn't want to be a missionary? You know, tell people about God. Then she grew up, she went to university, studied music, um, tried to distance herself a bit from God and then had the realization that the only way through to God was through Jesus. So rather begrudgingly, she accepted Jesus into her life. And again, there was this thought about, I need to go and tell people about Jesus. So she wrote to missionary societies. She wrote to places all over the world. And they were all a bit, you're 22, you're too young. Um, and we don't really need music teachers as missionaries. You know, if you could teach English or maths, that would be great, but you haven't really got anything we need. So one day she went um, to a meeting, a, a Christian meeting, and in that meeting, somebody spoke the word, go, trust me, and I will lead you. I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you shall go. I will guide you with my eye. And Jackie realised those words were for her. It's what God had been saying for a long time, but this had just really almost like underlined it, put it in italics and bold print for her. But what was she to do? Because nobody wanted her help. So she was helping out at a church and she was speaking to the minister who said, how are you getting on with, you know, going out there? And um, she told him and he said, if God is telling you to go, you'd better go. And she was like, well, how can I? My applications have all been rejected. I haven't got anything. And he said, and I love this, if you've tried all the conventional ways in missionary societies and God is still telling you to go, you'd better get on the move. Um, buy a ticket for a boat, going on the longest journey and pray to God that he will tell you where to get off. So at the age of 22, she got up her money, bought a boat, um, which I think was headed for Japan, actually. But she got off in Hong Kong with a fabulous six pounds of UK money in 1966, which would last for about three days. So there she was. God had led her out to Hong Kong 
it's like, well, what do I do now, God? I've got really no money. I'm not part of an organisation. Um, all I've got is my trust and my belief in you. And God guided her again to, to the Wall City, um, which if you ever get a chance to look at the history of the Wall City is um, very interesting as an aside. Um, and, you know, this was a place full of heroin addicts, prostitutes, um, gambling run by the triads. And yet she went in there. That was where God showed her to go. And um, she set up a youth club for heroin addicts right there in the middle of all this danger. Um, and there were incidents, but the Lord always protected her. And what I found um, interesting later on, she sets up the St. Stephen's Society for Curing Drug Addicts. And again, the word comes up, there was nothing conventional about how this functions. There's no putting people on methadone. There's no medicinal. There's none of the normal ways. And just as God had led her in a very unconventional way to get to Hong Kong, so through the Holy Spirit, people are just miraculously cured from their heroin addiction after years and years and years. Um, other instances of her being guided, she was just walking down the street and thought I could spend my life just trying to, to minister and share the word of um, God down this street where do you want me? And again, he'd, he'd led her to the walled city. Um, and for the first couple of years, she struggled. And then she really became filled with the Holy Spirit. And um, nobody had really been coming to know the Lord through what she'd been saying. And she makes the comment after she started speaking in tongues, praying in tongues, praying in the spirit. She'd said, I had let God have a hand in my prayers and it produced a direct result. Instead of my deciding what I wanted to do for God and asking his blessing, I was now asking him to do his will through me. So once again, she come back, once she truly let God guide her, then all these people, he guided her to the people who wanted to hear about Jesus. Um, and like I said, there's many other examples all through the book where um, she's guided by God and she puts her trust in him. Because the thought now of, you know, it excites me, the thought of the 22-year-old getting off in Hong Kong, but with no money, no real guidance. Um, I sort of think, how possible would that be now? And then I think, don't underestimate the power of our Lord. If he wants to guide us somewhere, he'll get us there no matter what. Okay. Thank you, Maggie. That's great. And I, I have to say, I, I read Jackie Pullinger book um, quite a number of years ago. And uh, yeah, it's phenomenal, isn't it? And I was, I was thinking it was so pleasing uh, to hear about it all being talked about on the Thursday night group, because yeah, it's just a, a phenomenal testimony there from Jackie Pullinger. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing that, Maggie. Um, so, so for me, uh, I, I just wanted to share a few thoughts, really, and experiences for me on guidance. Um, and I really, 
I'll start with, I've got a little, this is my set of books, which I've kind of progressed through in my life. And I'm going to just share a little bit from them with you, really. The first one is this one. And I don't know if other people have read this book uh, before. It's called Disappointment with God, and it's by Philip Yancey. And I read this probably when I was in my early 20s, actually. And I found it really, really, really helpful because in my church and in you know where I was, there was people were always talking about how God was speaking to them and how God said this to them or God said that to them, and I was left there thinking, well, I'm, I'm not sure I'm with this. I, I, you know, I read my Bible, I pray, but I'm, I'm not sure I'm in this place where God tells me to go and do this or to go, to go and do that. Um, am I am I inadequate? Is is this um, am I a sort of a dud Christian? Why, why is God so distant from me in this way? And and I read this book about by um, by Philip Yancey, and I'm going to summarise it in about two lines. But of course, it's a lot thicker than that. Um, and the thing which a couple of the things which came out from me uh, for me in that was um, he, he goes he talks about how um, uh, God led Israel in the Old Testament. He led them through you know um, through fire and clouds. He fed them with bread from heaven. Um, they crossed the Red Sea as 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 the as the waters parted, and what did what did Israel do in the Old Testament in response to that? They actually turned around and disobeyed God and went away from God. Um, perhaps they went, oh, you know, well, it's just in the past. Maybe it wasn't really that real or whatever. Um, and all those really miraculous, really intimate times when God was walking closely with Israel. The product of it was actually disobedience. And, and Philip Yancey pulls that in, this is a theme I remember from the book the most, pulls that together and, and says, well, actually, is God being gracious to us if we're not always hearing that, that sort of very specific voice? Does, does history tell us that when God is really, really sort of telling people what to do and, and leading them like he did with Israel, um, but it actually leads to disobedience, and it's part of his mercy and graciousness to allow us more, more decision-making in there. So, and then, then Philip Yancey sort of concludes the book with saying, you know, focus in on Jesus, focus on in on who Jesus is, rather than necessarily what Jesus is just going to do for me in, in, in guiding my life. But, but I highlight that one to start with, because for me it was just really... Um, it was a really, really, really helpful book at that time in my life was to how God is working and how God is um, is speaking to us. So I'd, I'd really uh, commend that to you. Then then another sort of stage in my life or a step in my life was, was this book, <laughs> um, Surprised by the Voice of God, which is by a guy called Jack Deere. Uh, you may have heard of him. I'm sure some of you have heard of him. Um, Jack Deere came from an incredibly conservative and perhaps quite fundamentalist background um, where, you know, he would argue as sort of a cessationist experience of the Holy Spirit, as in the Holy Spirit's not really active um, today. And Jack Deere experienced an incredible and really life-changing experience of the Holy Spirit as, it, as the Holy Spirit refreshed him and actually showed him how the Holy Spirit can work in our lives today, how the Holy Spirit comes and heals and brings words and brings guidance. And, and I read this book from, uh, from Jack Deere and I was just astounded by it. I said, you know, how can I engage in that? And there was, there's a seminal text in his book, which he kind of revolves around a little bit, which is when Eli told Samuel, 
he says to Samuel, go and lie down. And if God calls you, say to him, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so Samuel went and lay down in his place. And then in the night, the Lord came and stood there, calling at other times and said, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Speak, for your servant is listening. And, and Jack Deere kind of uses that as a, as a real focus for how we listen to God, how we seek guidance from God. It's that moment of saying, Lord, I'm here. I'm your servant. And speak. Because I'm listening. Please speak to me. I'm here. I'm listening to you, Lord. And that was quite um, striking for me, um, that idea of actually I'm going to invite God to speak to me. And I'm going to wait on God to speak to me as his servant, not God as my genie, but God, me as God's servant. So that, so that was you know, really striking for me from, from, from that Jack Deere box, uh, Jack Deere book, should I say. Um, and he also highlights the fact that it, these things in his experience often come at times we don't expect them. It's not necessarily in that quiet time when we've set aside the time for God. He said in his experience, it's come at 2 a.m. in the morning or the middle of the night when he can't sleep. And he says, oh, why can't I sleep? A little bit like Samuel. Oh, God's trying to speak to me. Let me get out of bed on my knees and say, Lord, your servant is listening. And that, you know, just some real sort of striking things for me from, from that Jack Deere book. And it actually had quite an impact on my life because um, I don't know if those of you who know me well might know that uh, when it comes to decision making, I do quite like to analyze it and analyze it again and analyze it again and go around in my little circle of agony before I make a decision. Um, and uh, at a time when Ali and I were together and we were thinking about whether we should get married, whether I should propose to her, I was going through that lovely circle of agony of analyze and analyze and analyze. And I took a, I took a decision to really try and give it over to God. I took a day off work and I set aside a 24 hour period in which I would fast and pray and really, really seek God's voice. And this was something, you know, sort of Jack Deere talks about, you know, about fasting and praying and seeking um, the voice of God. Um, and, you know, I set off on this this 24-hour time, sitting in my bedroom for a lot of it, um, thinking, you know, what am I going to do? I, I sat there and prayed for a little bit. I read my Bible for a bit. I thought I'm getting a bit bored. Am I being a bit, a bit of a wally here? You know, maybe I should just get on and make a decision instead of um, sitting here going over in it again and again. But I would say that as the day went by and I persisted, persisted with times of prayer and fasting and reading the Bible, I started to feel this real, real warmth and reassurance, a real confidence from God that he was with me and, and supporting me and encouraging me. But I still didn't have any guidance on the decision I needed to make. And then late in the night, I don't remember exactly when it was, but I remember it was late. I just felt this real call to get on my knees and pray. And I got out of bed and I, I got on my knees and prayed and had this real experience of a real closeness to God and a real encouragement to go ahead with Ali. And as you might have noticed, we, we did go ahead. <laughs> um, but I had this real encouragement to go ahead with the idea of, of, uh, getting, of staying together and getting married. And also God gave me a verse 
I asked God, how can you reassure me? How can you show me this is you speaking? And he gave me a verse, which for the very next day, he also gave to Ali and shared it. And she shared it with me. And it was such a reassurance that God had actually spoken to both of us in real special ways. Now, I would say that that was not the norm in my life. I do still seek God's face and I do still feel a leading and a guidance from God at different times. But that one was particularly unique um, and particularly special in the intensity and the way that it stands out, which is why I wanted to share it with you um, today. But I do want to just go on to my little book journey of books still, because here was Jack Deere, who had a massive influence on my life in how to hear the voice of God and how to walk with the Holy Spirit. But then in his writing, there is a 20 year silence. There's a 20 year silence from this book to his next publication. And I wondered why, what's happened? That's unusual, isn't it? And his next book came out, which some, again, I know some of you have read, which is this one, Even in Our Darkness. And when I read this book, I realized why there was a 20 year silence, because this book is harrowing. You know, from his earlier books, you can capture this real excitement of engaging with God, this real incredible healing experiences, incredible moments of guidance. Yet this book talks about the torments of his life and how through that period he suffered so much. He lost his son. He lost his son as a result of sexual abuse in the church, as a result of drug addiction and alcohol addiction and finally suicide. He lost his son. He also found out that his wife or realized that his wife was an alcoholic. And here he is leading this ministry in the church and his wife is an alcoholic and really struggling and how they struggle together um, through that alcoholism and living with that. And also his own personal reconciliation with his own past and with his own sin and the impact of that sin on his wife and her alcoholism and his ministry. And I, and I read this really, really, really honest account of um, this, this guy's struggle and challenges, yet also still knowing that God was there and with him. He goes on to write a final book, which I <laughs> read, which is why I still believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's a lovely, um, special book. But what I, the reason I, 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 I share this, I guess, is because we've got this example here of someone who has experienced some of the most awesome power of the Holy Spirit, a real intimacy with God, healings, um, God's guidance in a very, very close way. But he certainly hasn't had a life which we would cite and hold up as the model of perfection or a model of great joy or a model of great um, uh, success. And I think for me, it's a reminder that it's in God's grace that we live and that we seek his guidance. And he doesn't guide us and speak to us because we are upright and have good standing. He guides us and speaks to us when we say, God, your servant um, is listening. And I, and I wonder if what actually is happening in some of all this is that the closer we draw into God, the closer we experience that special and intimate relationship with God, the more real um, the evil one is, who is prowling around, who is poking at us, who is getting at us, who is trying to um, pull us down. And so as we talk about guidance and we think about how God may speak to us and how God um, 
could move in us and how perhaps all of us have a desire to have that closer relationship with God. I think we've got to make sure that we're coupling that with obedience. Am I seeking misguidance so that I can have a happy and a steady and a successful life? Or am I seeking misguidance so that I can be obedient to God? So that's really my little history, I think, of guidance and, and the Holy Spirit. And, I, you know, it's, it's so exciting to hear the voice of God. It's so exciting to be um, feeling that closeness to him. Um, and I, I think I just encourage everyone to, to really be you know, seeking the Lord's face. And those, those words of speak for your servant is listening. Thank you. I think perhaps over to John. Yeah, thanks, Mark. And thanks, Maggie. Um, and I just wanted to finish off um, our thinking about guidance. You know, this is the last in our Sunday series on guidance. We've looked at the big picture. You know, we are God's masterpiece and he has things for us to do. So therefore, he wants to guide us as to what and where and who. We also looked at guidance in the Old Testament. And you'll remember John, uh, Arthur painted a broad picture of God's guidance to the Israelites and the significance, the, the critical importance of God's presence. Uh, and how he, he drew his people to him and his presence in that physical kind of outward way. Leslie reminded us that, um, uh, that, that we are uh, guided in the personality of Jesus, the indwelling of the Spirit following his death and resurrection. Uh, the Holy Spirit, um, that deposit within us, uh, speaks to us and guides us internally um, as well as externally. Uh, and last week we heard from each other as to how God is guiding us in different ways. You remember Mark and Sarah on their relocating, uh, Ruth and Joe on their decision to homeschool, and Mary in the day-to-day -day interaction with neighbours and friends. And we've continued in that today, and I hope we continue to share uh, with each other uh, what's going on, you know, ways that God is guiding us, or ways that we are seeking his guidance. And of course, there are uh, uh, the big thing that faces us together as a church at the moment is our choice of minister. So I wanted just to look at that briefly, um, and also to say a little word about how God can sometimes guide us to stand still, which sounds a bit kind of paradoxical, doesn't it? But, uh, but we'll, we'll look at that very briefly. Now, the appointment of a minister is perhaps the biggest decision we make as a church. Uh, of course, it's a big decision for the minister as well. Depending on circumstances, it could be a, a new home, new schools, uh, new jobs. Um, uh, for us, uh, the minister is a key figure in leading us to an expression of church within our communities, both the internal church community and, of course, then to Alton, infinity and beyond. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> now, for an appointment to be made, and I guess this is one of the key things I wanted to share, both a minister and the church has to be looking in the same direction at the same time. And it's this element of timing I wanted us to think of briefly this morning. And to do that, um, uh, can I share with you... Uh, Verse the very detailed directions for the construction of the tabernacle, the portable sanctuary that was a symbol of God's presence. Remember that from John, uh, with uh, a symbol of His presence with and His availability to His people, uh, and it was a place where His will was communicated uh, to the priests and then to the people. Uh, so Moses has finished constructing the tabernacle, and we pick up the account at verse thirty-four uh, like this. Then. Uh, the cloud, you remember Mark just referred to the cloud 
uh, of God, leading his people in the day. It was fire at night, wasn't it? So the cloud covered the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Uh, Moses could no longer enter the tabernacle because the cloud that had settled down over it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now, whenever the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, uh, the people of Israel would set out on their journey following it. But if the cloud did not rise, they remained where they were until it lifted. The cloud of the Lord hovered over the tabernacle during the day and a fire glowed inside the cloud uh, at night. So the whole family of Israel could see it. And this continued throughout their journeys. Now, I remember the first time I read this uh, a while ago, I, I was struck that these lights stayed put every now and then. They didn't go walking every day of the 40 years or you know, um, uh, at least six days of the seven. They, um, uh, in the same place, probably for some significant time. Uh, as we know, they were walking, they were, they were in the wilderness for 40 years. Um, and so contrary to my kind of mental image, they, they're not walking six days, taking a day off to recover and walking in another six days. They did when the spirit of the Lord, when the, the, the cloud uh, of his presence, when that remained over the tabernacle, then they stayed put. Uh, and I think, uh, I think that's really interesting for us. Uh, it shows, doesn't it, that timing, uh, when to move and when not to move, both are within uh, God's guidance. Uh, so whether we uh, continue as we are, if that's our sense of, of God saying we don't, he's not calling us to move or he's calling us to dig in in difficult situations, uh, then we can be assured that, that staying where we are can be part of a positive decision uh, in God's eyes, obedience to God, and neither a lack of guidance or some shortcoming either in God or his people. Um, remaining where we are for now can be sanctified by God's presence. Uh, and in the Old Testament, as we know, that's uh, the presence in the form of a cloud. In the New Testament, in our time, it's keeping in step with God's Spirit, redeeming all things to himself, verse in Colossians, redeeming all things to himself uh, through Jesus. Uh, and we can know through the presence of the Holy Spirit in both our individual lives and in our midst uh, that we are confirmed to, to stay where we are. So just very briefly, a look at, uh, to, just briefly to bring you up to date with the ministerial uh, search, we spoke to um, a person for the second time this week. So a few of us, saw, uh, our process is that a few of us see uh, people that we, we might be interested in. And if, um, if we like them, if we think that this person could be uh, the one for us, then uh, the whole VLT meets and we ask them uh, to make a presentation about how they would see their first days with us. And we've done that with two people. The first one, we thought, no, that's that's um, it's been good to talk, but it's not right for us. Uh, this time, this week, we felt, hey, this guy could be for us, uh, and so uh, we've we've reported that back to him, and he's saying, okay, I just need to stop. I just need to hold the time and see God's voice, uh, and uh, and so that's what's what's happening. Taking time to pray, uh, think, and listen. Uh, at this point in time. And so I guess we're called to do the same, aren't we? There's no immediate movement. Uh, the, the process is kind of on pause uh, in order for, uh, for, for, for 
a few people to take time to wait, uh, wait on the Lord, to seek his presence. To, I mean, he's always with us, isn't he, now? We know that he's always with us, but to get aligned um, to what he's doing uh, at this point in time. And it may be that it's not the right time for, for both of us, uh, but that is a positive thing. We know that. We know that God has um, what seems to be stationary, you know, kind of inactivity, actually could be a positive thing, a positive decision to, um, to dig in, to stay where we are, or to wait. If anyone's, been, if anyone's played cricket, then you know when you hit the ball there's, um, and you're deciding whether to go for a run or not, it's yes, no, or wait. And you wait and see um, where, where the ball goes or how it gets fielded. And I think those, whether it's yes, no, or wait, then we can be confident uh, as we look back into the Old Testament and this vivid picture of the, the cloud of the presence of the Lord hovering over the tabernacle, absorbing and fulfilling uh, you know, the, the, the tabernacle tent. We can look back at that and draw real comfort that if it's a wait, then, then God's in that. And so can we pray? Cara's going to lead us in prayer in a moment. Uh, but let's also pray for ourselves that when the time comes for us as a church to exercise judgment, we will know God's presence and the leading and the assurance of his spirit. Uh, let's also pray. We can't speak this, this person's name because but this per, you know, the, the way we do it is confidential in the early stages. But let's pray for this person and their family that, that in, the, in the pause, in the wait, then, um, uh, then they will know. Um, they will know God's voice speaking to them. Um, and, and of course, uh, just, it's implicit in what I've said, but, but when it comes to the kind of further stages, then the beauty of being in a Baptist church is that decisions to move forward uh, or to pause or to say no are ones that we will take together uh, in church meeting, a hallmark of being a Baptist church. So, so again, let's, uh, let's think about uh, how we can be ready uh, to exercise judgment, to discern God's call for us uh, as to whether it's a yes, no, or a wait. Uh, and literally, a last thought, uh, on the VLT elections, it's the same, isn't it? I know uh, that um, uh, when I... <coughs> that's Alfie agreeing with me. Uh, when, when, when I stood for election, uh, Karen said, maybe this is your time. Maybe this is your time. Uh, and, it, you know, a few things had moved and changed such that, you know, before they were barriers, but this time it was my time. You know, and uh, again, very briefly, what used to be when we went on holiday, I would come back in September and think, is it right to stay where I am? Uh, I didn't want to just drift and drift and drift into something. Uh, but it was a massive difference to say, is it right to stay? And to know that it was. So, uh, lots of interesting things about guidance. Uh, yes, no, wait can all be part of the way God guides us. And isn't it brilliant that, that we, can, we can say that with confidence, that we know that our God, the God who has uh, revealed himself to us, who loves us and lives within us, he wants to guide us because we're his masterpieces, both individually and together. So look, I'm going to hand over to one of our uh, fellow masterpieces now, and um, Cara, uh, over to you.